0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your
2: hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports
3: presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Gathered together, we got one more full Bowl locks, bowl locks, volume two, hard lock life. We'll be back probably throwing out some props and locks for the national championship game. But today's festivities will take us all the way through January 2nd. That action, of course, finishing with the Orange Bowl between North Carolina and Texas A&M. If you are uh, a listener who is getting this at different times, we're going to go through this in chronological order. I don't have a lock for every game. I don't know if we got any high-volume shooters out here that are going with a lock for every single game, but uh, that will allow you to sort of be at fast-forward if you get this late, or if you just want to listen to it. We wouldn't mind your... uh your stats—they uh, they help our analytics. So, um, as we look back, we don't have a full review. We are recording on Tuesday, and we still have Oklahoma State, Miami, and Texas, Colorado to go. Tom is on a heater right now—three wins, including Hawaii, Liberty, uh, and the Western Kentucky, Georgia State over. Barton right now is sitting at two and one. He's got Buffalo as the win. That is a uh, UNITY win for Barton, Chip, and Danny. Uh, A loss for Louisiana against UTSA. Very competitive game there. You were also in on the over. I've got the Buffalo, and then I've got the UTSA, Louisiana under. Danny right now uh, at two and one. In addition to Buffalo, a lock fight loss uh, to Tom and then the under Buffalo Marshall, that one caches as well. Uh, watching a lot of Marshall football and being a part of the CBS sports network broadcast comes in, comes in handy for, uh, for DK right there. Before we, uh, before we lock it up, any general thoughts about what you've seen from bowl season so far in terms of, you know, adjusting the way you think or, or tips that you're carrying into this next edition?
3: no. I feel like I'm hot. So I'm just going to not going to question anything. I'm just going to keep going.
4: I would say, I hope you made a lot of money during the regular season. Like, I think I'm, I don't feel great about many of these. And I know we've said this a zillion times through the season like, all of the regular season is going to feel like the bowl season. Who's motivated? I feel like more than ever with opt outs, with COVID tests, with games canceled, all this stuff makes it incredibly difficult to pick these bowl games. So be selective, I guess, is what I'm saying. I don't know. I mean, as I get about ten
3: ready to go. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I like say, at the same time, fire off twelve picks.
4: You like
0: UTSA didn't have its starting inside linebackers. Both of them was down like seven players, and dagum head coach Jeff Trailer, and they were right there against Louisiana. So, like, even the I'm dialed into the COVID. I've got the word on who's going to be out and who's missing games. Still might not end up having the impact that you think it'll have on the game.
1: Potter and fish grease, though. You know, those guys <laughs> were motivated.
0: All season.
1: Hey, head coach, head coach doesn't have to be there to know they got a little fire in their belly. So uh yeah, just hey, find find the scrappy teams. All right, y'all ready to lock it up? Do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming.
3: Since 2005, when Service Academy's. Welcome. Don't get
0: these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The
3: under is 33 91. We've gone over a million times. You want like
1: these locks.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover.
0: All right. Again, chronological order. We begin at the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. Bank of America Stadium, home of the Carolina Panthers artist formerly known as the Belk Bowl, as we record, four years to the day that Arkansas tight end Jeremy Sprinkle was suspended for the bowl game for attempting to shoplift at a Belk's during the Belk's shopping spree when every player was given Belk's gift cards. Amazing moment in Belk bowl history (laughs) shot. (laughs) Yeah. Shoot your shot. So Duke's Mayo bowl is going to be Wisconsin against wake forest, Wisconsin minus seven and a half. As we're looking at it over under 51, 51 and a half. Does anybody have a lock for this game? Just me.
1: Oh, I was going to say, man, like whoever's on, on this game has got some, got some courage. Mm What you got?
0: Okay. So I'm, Wake Forest is not the same team right now that it was when it was playing its best football. Like, Boogie Basham has opted out for the rest of the season. That was going into the Louisville game. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the third running back, part of that one-two punch with Christian Smith, he has opted out for this game. And you've got some injuries, too. I just think that Wake Forest, like Dave Clawson, has done a good job in these bowl games. They've beaten Texas A&M, but they've also gotten wins uh, against, I think, Maybe Temple and Memphis might be the other two teams that they've beaten along the way. And I, I just think that we see in this game, similar to what we saw against Michigan State in the Pinstripe Bowl, is that Wisconsin might be able to play bully ball. And, and I think that bully ball might be enough to be able to win this game and, and win it kind of comfortably, let the defense lead. We know that we don't have a, a Wisconsin team that is relying on you know one player, but the way that Jalen Berger kind of showed up later in the season – a little bit of a committee approach, uh, at the running back position. I, I just think that at seven and a hook, it might get a little dicey in the fourth quarter, but I do think that Wisconsin, because of its physical advantages in the trenches and Wake Forest missing just a few key players, uh, I'm going to go with the Badgers right here and I'm going to lay the, se- I don't think I can get a seven anymore. I'll lay the seven and a hook.
1: Yeah. I think that's the right side. That's the side I would be on, but I am I'm I'm scared of these two teams.
0: Yeah, you know, like I was, both of them?
1: I don't trust either of them. I mean, but Wisconsin just like what did they they lose? They barely beat Minnesota. What they do? They barely beat Minnesota. Barely beat Minnesota. They got kind of handled by like their last three games have just like none of them have been impressive. Last four. They've lost three of the last four. I don't know, like what do we really know about Wisconsin, but agree, like I think they
3: probably are the better team and probably are the right side, yeah, I'm not locking anything up here, but I was kind of looking at the over. Mm. just feel like it might be mm. higher scoring than people think, but I don't know
0: um I mean, Louisville. Sort of exposed. I mean, as we mentioned, Scott Satterfield was standing outside the the uh, booster's window with the boombox held above his head, singing love songs about how much he loves Louisville and coaching his tail off in that game. But I do think that one of the reasons why they were successful offensively is because of some of those personnel uh, deficiencies that they have here late in the season for the Demon Deacons. All right, that we have. I mean, sadly. No 3.30 game. We would have been in Nashville for the Music City Bowl. Missouri has some uh, has some COVID positives. Shout out to Missouri. As I was preparing the, uh, the bowl preview that will not get published for this, I saw the Cover 3 podcast, got a shout out in the game notes. So whoever's listening to this, uh, I'm glad... Pass along our best to the Alpha Nerd. And if it is the Alpha Nerd, come on the Cover 3 podcast. We will <laughs> gladly have you here on the Cover 3 podcast. So we move right on to the nightcap on December 30th. It is the Cotton Bowl, Florida against Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners are now three-point favorites as we're down Kyle Pitts, we're down Kadarius Tony, we're down Travon Grimes. Isn't there a fourth one in there? Jacob Copeland Jacob Copeland is also out. Uh, I is guess- Tony, did you
1: say
4: Tony? Yes.
1: Yeah. Tony's so Tony's out, Pitts is out, Grimes, Grimes is out and Copeland.
4: Wilson's
3: out and too, Copeland. right?
0: The DB. Well,
3: out. I mean, yeah. he's he's taking his shoe and yeah, throwing wants, it out.
2: Yeah.
0: In, insert whatever shoe joke you want to you want to he's he's throwing in the These shoes shoe. were made for walking now. <laughs> uh so I mean, I think it's really interesting Our, at what point on this podcast I am not going to lock up Florida. But is somebody going to jump on Oklahoma? Is someone going to jump on Florida? And is there a number that if this thing pushes out that you would buy back in now that the line has moved six points
4: in Oklahoma's favor? Can I get it at two and a half? Like Oklahoma minus two and a half? Yeah, Oklahoma minus two and a half. Let me see. Uh, whatever I get, I'll take the best number on Oklahoma. Three is the
3: best I can get you.
4: I'll take three. I'll lay it with it. Maybe this is way too easy, and that's always what scares me a little bit. Uh, it does feel like Florida has thrown in the towel. It does feel like even Dan Mullen when he said, this is the last time we'll see this team together after the SEC championship game. He knew this was going to happen. Kyle Trask has been awesome. But this is not just losing a Kyle Pitts for a game or two. This is not – I mean, you guys just rattle them off. <coughs> This is going to be almost an entirely new look of skill players. Timing rhythm comes into play. I don't know, man, this one, this one seems too easy to me, but I'm still going to take Oklahoma and lay them. Although there are some trends that favor Dan Mullen. Um, he's seven and two in bowls uh, straight up in bowl games in his career. Um as underdogs, they're 6-2-1 and one against the spread under Dan Mullen. Like, there are some things that would favor the Gators, but I look at Oklahoma, and I still think they're going to win this game, and afterwards we're going to say, man, are we sure this team wasn't one of the best options as the top four teams in the country? Because I feel like this now, uh, you know, and the two losses clearly prevented them from being in that conversation but with an impressive win against Florida, I think people look at his Oklahoma team and they'll probably say, well, Florida wasn't at full strength. But I think Oklahoma will kind of buck that trend under Lincoln Riley, where he's 0 3 um, in the bowl games. So I think he's going to get his first win as a head coach in a bowl.
3: Fight. Ooh. Fight. Wow. Fight. <laughs> Fight. Fight. Yes. Fight. Now, I can get the Gators at three and a half, but. I just think this is one of those times where the reaction has been a little too harsh. Obviously, Florida is not as good when it's missing its three leading receivers. it's <laughs> It's not the same team, but I don't know if it's nearly a full touchdown worth of difference to this game because we've seen Florida play without Kyle Pitts already. They've been in this situation they've that's not new now obviously Tony and um what's his name are different. It's just they have talent behind those guys. And I think that they have enough talent on that depth chart to where guys will be able to step in and fill in. And I look, if it's like the offensive line's still there, Kyle Trask is still there. And I look on the Oklahoma side of the ball. And while Florida is missing its three leading receivers, Oklahoma's also missing one of its starting corners. And I wonder if that's a bigger deal to move down their depth chart at corner than it is for Florida at receiver. So I look at this offense as being one of the best offenses in the country all season long, this is one of the teams in the country that was one of the only two teams, really in the country that we felt and we talked about, was able of competing with Alabama, and it nearly knocked off the tide. It made it the is their toughest challenge of the season, and we've all agreed Alabama is far and away the best team in the country. And this is also a Florida team that has not failed to score at least thirty-one points in every single game it has played it is going to score against this Oklahoma defense is it going to beat them I don't know but I do think that at a minimum Florida is going to keep this game closer than we've seen the spread swing and the reaction to this game go so I'm, I'm going contrarian here I'm taking Florida plus three and a half
1: I can see it on both sides here hey the on Danny's side I I can see the post game narrative and sort of retroactive perspective of oh my god Oklahoma this team that's been sort of had this second half surge with all these young guys young quarterback that's returning like this is the this is the the bowl that sparks the hype train for the 2021 oh, season hell yeah. right Spencer you know Rattler, I mean?
0: Heisman trophy Oklahoma for top sure. three in the preseason polls I'm with you
1: very easy to envision that And then I think on the flip side, this has still been the Florida team that I've said this before. Like it has looked like the fourth best team in the country. Like it has looked like a team that is within that playoff realm. And so to be that good and to still, and, and even if you lose a couple guys, like Tom said, like they like Dan Mullen is so good at scheming. He is so good at finding his playmakers. And so, um, Look, I, I don't, I don't love where I'm going to go here because I think Oklahoma has burned me a few times on on the over this year, but I'm going to play the over. I'm going to go. Florida's going to score points. Oklahoma's going to score points. I'm going to leave it open for the narrative to emerge wherever it ends. Um, but I think my, I think where I think my hunch here is that the Oklahoma is the the sweetheart of 2021 is kind of the the way things play out, but. I'll take the points and just bet on two of the best offensive coaches in the game right now figuring out a way.
0: I don't hate that at all. Uh, we move on to December 31st, New Year's Eve. The action gets started with Mississippi State and Tulsa playing uh, at noon. This game is the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. We're in Fort Worth. Ooh, this is a – do we have a weather report for, uh, for Fort Worth, Tom?
3: Uh, Right now, current weather forecast is calling for rain. Temperatures in the high 30s and winds between 14 and 15 miles per hour.
0: Under. Let's go. Mississippi State, good defensive team. (laughs) Tulsa led by its defense. I know the way that weather acts in Fort Worth, especially at this time of year. It is a 46, and I am not scared. Let's lock up the under with Mississippi State and Tulsa.
3: I can get you 46 and a half. Let's yeah, go 46 uh, and a half. Make the children sing.
1: I mean, that's, that's a stupid line. Mississippi State can't score. This is one of the best cornerback pairings in college football at Tulsa. Mississippi State had not scored anybody. Their defense is sick. And Tulsa isn't going to try to score that much. You got weather thrown in there now, too. I know Zayvon Collins has opted out, but that's a linebacker position. We'll be okay without that. Um, I don't really have a lot of confidence in sort of what the final score is and who ends up on top. I think Tulsa probably wins, but uh, Tulsa wins with defense. And and Mississippi State isn't going to score a lot. So give me me the under two.
0: The 2 o'clock game is on CBS. It'll be Brad Nessler. Gary Danielson, Jamie Erdahl on the call from Tucson, Arizona, with a battle of conference champions that are having some of their best years like since the beginning of the decade. Ball State, San Jose State, a combined 13-1 and one on the record. Uh, San Jose State favored by 9.5 in this game, over under around 64-ish. Uh, anybody got a play here? Um. I'm on ball nope. state, oh. Ooh. ball Ooh. state plus nine and a half sneaky, good defense. And, uh, and, and I just think that, um, that's too many points for a San Jose. That's too many points for Nick Starkle and a San Jose state team that, uh, needed a lot of comeback victories, uh, on its run to being undefeated. I think San Jose state wins, but nine and a half is too many points for a ball state team. That's been, uh, has been playing some all right football. I can
3: get you 10. Shoot. I, I, I'm i not locking anything up here. I do lean towards where you're going. I, I think that San Jose state is the better team. I just think that it's being a little overestimated here, but I'm, I'm kind of scared to lock it up because I know that I was wrong about Buffalo and Marshall last week, but I'm still scared of Mac teams and bowl games. Ooh. So I'm, I'm not going to go with the full lock. I support you. I might even bet it come game time, seeing how everything stands for me. I I might make that play myself, especially if the line stays in the double digits, but on the lock spot, it's, you know, it's got to be a sure thing. So I'm not going with it. Well,
1: inside baseball, CBS HQ talk, uh, Quinn hit me up and said, Hey, um, can you do a uh, ball state San Jose state hit on HQ? And I was like, um, I no, can, you, <laughs> but that sounds like it's more of a Fernelli specialty. So, Tom, if you got a call about San Jose uh, Ball State, I apologize. I guess I should have sent Chip. Um, but uh, I, I, I took a pass on that one. <laughs>
3: I, I was going to say, Quinn has not contacted me about it. So maybe they just scrapped it all together. <laughs>
0: no, 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 There, there will still be a pregame show at one forty-five. Okay. You can see it on CBS sports HQ pregame halftime postgame CBS sports, hq.com. And you can stream the Arizona bowl on CBS or through the CBS sports mobile app. Again, it is ball state it is San Jose state, uh, like be, again, best season since like 2012 for one team, 2013 for the other. Both these head coaches have been building It's like year four and year five. They're both sort of like been building in an upward trajectory. I think it's an exciting game, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a good company man. I'm saying that because I had to write the preview for it for the Daggum website. <laughs> 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 All
4: right,
0: on to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. We're in Memphis, Tennessee. We got West Virginia facing off against army remember army at nine and two was left seemingly without a bowl partner but yet the, here we go as west virginia was able to uh, agree to it and you know shout out to neil brown who got to like officially say on twitter like heck yeah you know you you get a lot of a bonus points when you're the head coach who comes out here to save the troops and be able to uh, to give them a, a bowl foe west virginia is a seven point favorite in this game over or under in the low 40s. I mean, maybe 41, 42, depending on where you got it. Uh, anybody want to dance on this one?
3: I got a lock. First of all, I'll say I'm happy that Army was able to get this game because it was a damn travesty that an eight and two Army team was left out of a bowl game while two and eight Tennessee or whoever the, or yeah South Carolina was in a bowl game. That said, I think part of the reason Neil Brown is excited to get to play Army is because it's a really good matchup for West Virginia, because this is an Army offense that we we obviously we know it's an option offense, but on the season, it hasn't. Been that prolific. Like it's still somewhat efficient in scoring points per drive, but in success rate against the run, it only ranks 46th, which is above average nationally. But if you're an option offense, you probably want to be higher than 46th in success rate, considering the entire premise of your offense is based on being successful. But uh, I, I just look at this matchup going against a West Virginia defense in particular that has been fantastic against the run. It is 12th in defensive success rate. It is 27th in yards allowed per carry. And I just don't see how Army is going to be able to put together enough scoring drives on a defense that has now had about 10, 11 days to prepare for it to be able to stick within the spread here. Now, maybe they're defensively. They could slow down West Virginia enough. We've seen that the Mountaineers offense at times can disappear and it's not very prolific itself. It's just matchup wise. I don't see a lot here that goes in army's direction. So I'm laying seven points with the Mountaineers.
4: It feels (laughs) un-American, but I'm with you. (laughs) It does. It feels like, man, how can you do this? But For everything you said, I'm in total agreement. Uh, West Virginia is third in the big 12 against the rush. The extra time to prepare army has played four quarterbacks this year. So they're struggling with continuity too. It's not a great offense by their standards. Uh, I'm also going to take the over a little uh, DK K two for one special. I do think maybe there will be a little bit of adjustment to get used to that. Um, triple option because even if you have extra days to prepare for it it still takes a little bit of time in that game I think you might see a big play uh, pop out of there for a touchdown or two it's extremely low number so I like the over as well but I like West Virginia a lot this might be one of my favorite plays for the week it also feels like the public wants army to win too so you're seeing a lot of money coming in army just because of the feel-good story that it is
0: Ain't I, you're, you're you're going against patriotism. I see a market yes. inefficiency with all these college football fans that are trying to support the military academy. Um, <laughs> hey, what, what what can you say? You gotta you gotta find the winners where you can go and get them. Uh, exactly. All right. We then the nightcap is going to be the Texas Bowl from NRG Stadium in Houston. It is three and seven Arkansas against six and four TCU. You know this. I feel like this matchup has a lot of uh, probably got a lot of guys that went to high school together. You know, probably got a lot of you know familiarity between these rosters. And so uh, I'm I'm hoping things get a little frisky. I'm excited to see Sam Pittman be able to lead the Hogs uh, into battle into a bowl game here in his first year, even if they were just three and seven. But I I do. I'm blind. I'm I'm the uh, I'm, what was it uh yeah I'm I'm just like I got nothing here. What's uh what do y'all think?
1: I got a lock. Oh, go ahead. No, I got no play. I'm just I'm betting on goofiness. <laughs> like there's just gonna be silly stuff that happens in this game. I don't know what it's gonna be. It's just gonna be weird. I was thinking it of a fight. Be,
0: yeah. I was thinking that these two teams probably are down to fight. It's it's an it's SWC reasonable. reunion, right?
3: I mean these, yeah. but. Yeah, no, I, and I'm kind of going with that energy because I think that this game could be weird. I think it could be strange. And because of that, I'm taking Arkansas because I just look at the squads and I know TCU six and four and it got it's it's played really well down the stretch. It's won five of its last six games. It's That includes a win over Oklahoma State. It's just the other wins were like Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Louisiana Tech. So I don't know how much stock to put into them and I look at this Arkansas team, and obviously you could say the same thing about Arkansas. It's got three wins. They came against Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. Not exactly the murderer's row of the SEC this year, but I just feel like, and maybe this is our, you know, Sam Pittman, our hog hearts coming through. <laughs> Watching these two teams, even though Arkansas had the worst record, I was more impressed by what I saw from Arkansas this year than I was with TCU. And I look at this matchup and I say, eh, TCU is the better team, but... I don't think they're that much better than Arkansas. And I think the record is playing a little bit into the spread here. I think four and a half points is too much. I think this could be high scoring. I think it could be overtime. I think it could be stupid. I think it could be all of those things. But I think that most of the time, this is going to end up with Arkansas being within four and a half points at a minimum. So I'm taking the Hogs plus four and a half.
0: Coming up on the other side, we get into New Year's Day, the college football playoff semifinals, and The bowl games on January 2nd, Gator Bowl, Outback Bowl, Fiesta, and Orange, next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived.
2: Price and coverage match limited by state law. January 1st,
0: always an early start. But this is a, this is an early start for the Peach Bowl. Luckily, not too too much of a, a drive for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs as they go in to face Cincinnati. Georgia favored by seven in this game, over under at 50 and a half. I've got a lock here. Does anybody else have a lock?
4: I yes. got a lock and a prediction. So I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Unload
0: the final heel turn. As we conclude our season, moving out of being a Georgia podcast (laughs) has got to be to take Cincinnati plus the seven here because I'm looking at the matchup and, and it's not like a fade Georgia in the game that they probably don't care about at noon on new year's day though. I mean, hello, you could just blindly do that, but if you're excited about the way that Georgia has enhanced its offense, it's because of JT Daniels and it's because of George Pickens. But they're going up against Ahmad, Sauce, Gardner, and one of the best pass defenses in, in the entire country. Like the one thing that Georgia's been re- able to really do to add to its offense happens to be one thing that Cincinnati is awesome at stopping. And then when I think about uh, even up front, like we saw today like Ben Cleveland's going to be opting out. Got a you know a few opt outs on the offensive line. I just I, I think it could be low scoring, and so if you want to jump on that under, I don't hate that as well. But I j- you can take the motivation angle for Cincinnati, which is trying to finish undefeated. I just see this game being a, a field goal three four point game. Uh, If Georgia wins, and I definitely could see a Cincinnati straight up win. So give me the Bearcats plus the seven, seven and a half. If I can get it,
3: I can get it for you. Let's do it. Danny, where are you at?
4: So I'm surprised. I thought Chip was going to go the other way. My bold prediction goes with my pick. I'm going to take Georgia. Lay the seven. Fight, 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 which will lead into J.T. Daniels returns. He comes back. George is going to be a darling favorite to pick. You know, the, the favorite pick to win the East, to knock off Bama next year, and the Cover Three Podcast will return to being the Dogs <laughs> Podcast next year. And it all starts with an impressive win against Cincinnati because they have been different. They have uh, since they lost to Florida. Uh, they're 3-0 and straight up. They're averaging 41.3 points per game. They were averaging 29 points before that. They've covered each of their past two games. Meanwhile, Cincinnati's failed to cover each of their past two games against UCF and Tulsa, and they won each by exactly three points. That defense, which you uh, mentioned, they allowed 33 points versus UCF and 24 versus Tulsa. That was their two highest opponent point totals this season. Give me the dogs.
3: Well, I'm fighting with one of you, and I'm cheering with the other. (laughs) Give me the dogs. (laughs) 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 This is—I mean, to me, like when we look at—I understand, like Cincinnati's got a good defense. And particularly against the pass. And they have faced some good passing offenses. So I I don't think that JT Daniels is going to come out and throw for like 500 yards and four touchdowns. Although JT Daniels, like Danny, you just mentioned, they're averaging over 41 points per game since he became a starter. He's got nine touchdowns to one interception. Granted, Cincinnati defense is probably the best defense JT Daniels will have faced, which is strange considering that Georgia's played three SEC opponents with him. But where we see the difference, like when it comes to like SEC teams versus other power five teams or group of five teams, like Cincinnati is clearly the best team in the group of five. Cincinnati is better than a lot of power five teams. But where we see these teams fail to match up is when they get up against these upper echelon SEC teams is their defensive lines. Like Cincinnati has not seen a defensive front like it's going to face with Georgia in this game. Its offensive line has not seen anything like this. Its offensive line, is probably going to have more struggles than we have seen. Like it had, it struggled against Tulsa and Tulsa is a very good defense. They Collins is one of the best players in the country, but Georgia's front seven is better than Tulsa's. And if Cincinnati struggled with that defense, I have a hard time seeing the Bearcats offensively being able to do enough against this Georgia defense to really kind of stay within the game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be embarrassing. I just think that Georgia is going to win and it's going to win comfortably in that 10 to 14 point kind of range where Cincinnati's making a game of it. It's landing some punches, but in the end, it's just, Georgia is too much for it. So I'm laying it with the dogs. Okay. So I, um,
1: I was leaning Cincinnati. I think I'm going to sit it out and let you guys fight this one out and bloody yourselves up a little bit. I don't really have a good sense, but I would do. And and to counter Danny's prediction, uh, here's my "wouldn't it be funny if" prediction. Okay, J.T. Daniels goes into this game four touchdowns, 300 yards. He finishes four and zero with 13 touchdowns to one interception and 1,200 yards passing. Peace out. I'm going to the NFL. Third round draft pick, and Georgia's right back where they started at the quarterback spot, and they sat the guy they needed while they lost to Florida and Alabama.
0: And daggum, Brock Vandegrift been playing the whole uh, high school football season with the torn PCL. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you're Perfect. you're five star, <laughs>
1: stupid. He's like, we need you in the SEC next year, buddy. We don't need you in 1A, like winning the 1A state championship. Congrats, but let's let's
4: get you healthy. By the way, I wanted to do a two-for-one. I'm not going to do it. I was going to take the over. Chip said the under. Georgia's gone over in four straight games. Cincinnati's gone over in three straight games. But I'm not going to touch it. I kind of like the over, but I'm not going to play it. Moving on at 1 o'clock, the good old
0: Verbo. Remember when we learned that? Like, wait, it's not VRBO. I've been calling this thing VRBO for years. It took them sponsoring a bowl game for me to be like, oh, it's it's Verbo. So the Verbo Citrus Bowl, Orlando, Florida, Camping World Stadium, Northwestern, a three and a half point favorite against Auburn. Kevin Steele leading the way. Maybe we get Brian Harson on the broadcast, don't we? Normally get the uh, the incoming coach. Either by phone, yeah, he'll 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 figure out a way to be a part of this. Over under uh, a very low and exciting forty three and a half. Anybody got a lock for the Citrus Bowl?
3: I'm doubling down. I'm going, Danny. I'm going to the DK two for one. I am taking Northwestern minus three, and the under. What's it at now?
4: Forty three and a half.
3: 43 yeah so northwestern minus 3 and the under 43 and a half
0: <laughs> unders in the 40s for your shorties agreement <laughs> these are two under teams you think mm-hmm. yeah no 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 definitely not
3: yeah and, and as far as like the spread is concerned I mean, we we talk so much about motivation for bowl games. Like, I have no doubt in my mind Northwestern is motivated and is going to want to play this game because that's just the approach Pat Fitzgerald is going to take to any game, let alone one in a, you know, a, a New Year's Day game against an SEC team. Auburn, no coach. The guy that is in charge wanted the job really badly, had a whole bunch of people fighting to get him the job didn't get the job <laughs> so it's like i just don't know if auburn is even going to give a damn about this game and i think that even if they do defensively northwestern i think is equipped to handle bo Nix and what auburn tries to do on offense to at least limit them which is another reason why i like the under so yeah give me the cats in the under
1: all right i'm gonna go northwestern here as well um i just think this is wh- what a wh- what like a. um dichotomy here in terms of this this coaching matchup um, specifically the defensive coordinator matchup you got the one guy and Mike Hankwitz that's been coaching elite defenses for like 50 years he's been the coach of northwestern the entire tenure and northwestern has been playing badass defense the whole time no, no one even knew the guy's name until this year and he's retiring he's like Totally, just just a just a good soldier the whole time. Then you got Kevin Steele, who's literally like sparking like a castle coup, like a like a mutiny <laughs> to, try, to try to try to assassinate the head guy and, and get the job for himself. Um, that has nothing to do with X's and O's or what's going on in the field, I guess. But there's just a little bit of. Disney feel good to me that makes me want to get this Northwestern line. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play Northwestern minus three. Mike Hankwitz farewell tour here, big time win.
0: They're gonna be motivated. Give me the give me the Wildcats. Then our attention will be turning to the second Rose Bowl game to ever be played away from Pasadena. Anyone know where the first one was?
3: Yes, it was at Duke, Wallace Wade Stadium.
0: Durham, North Carolina, because it was January 1st, 1942, after Pearl Harbor, and so they didn't want to host a big game on the West Coast, so Duke played Oregon State and lost in the rain at home in the Rose Bowl on January 1st, 1942. So we'll be here in AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas, Jerry World, number one Alabama, number four Notre Dame. Alabama set the record two years ago for the largest point spread in a college football playoff semifinal against Oklahoma. It has broken that record as it is now the largest favorite in college football playoff history as a 19 and point favorite against Notre Dame over under around 65 and I guess I'd like opinions on line total, regardless of whether you lock, but lockers go first. Who is going to take something in the Rose Bowl? I'm going to play it. Is anyone else going to play it? I'm to talk. Hey, okay. This is the Barton move. <laughs> talk to me. I've, I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me hear what you
1: got to say. All right. I mean, this. Okay. So I'm going to throw it right back at you, Chip. This is just principal play. Yeah. Notre Dame. 20 points. Too many on points. There's 20 points, man. <laughs> like, and and just like in that Clemson game, it might be Notre Dame might be losing by 21 at halftime. But there's gonna be a, a point in which things really settle down. There's gonna be a backdoor, you know, a, a late score. You know, I think Notre Dame is gonna continue to try to keep this game as slow as possible, keep the clock running as much as possible. Maybe they can control the middle eight. Like, there's just gonna they're they're gonna pull out all the stops. This is very much a cover game for Notre Dame. I mean, they they've this is don't get blown out. Is it, this not is not getting get blown, blown out, game. out Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So that's that that Notre Dame is playing against the spread here. And then look, I'm not saying that. I mean, this is just this is just me sitting on the couch saying that. But I mean, look, they. That's the goal here, I think. I mean, it can't beat Alabama. I'm sorry, I don't think they can do it. And so, I think everything is going to be about all right. Let's just see how slow we can make this game. Let's see how close we can keep it. And I do, I, I do have a ton of confidence in Notre Dame's ability in the second half, regardless of what's happened in the first. To 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 at least limit offenses. And I'm and we've seen Alabama in second halves sort of slow it down as well and just put put their. Um, put it in cruise control a little bit. So I'm not optimistic about this game being close. I just think 20 points is is enough for me to go ahead and take the other side.
0: I'll preface this by saying I understand Ian Book is not Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray, and I know that like Javon McKinley is not CeeDee Lamb or Marquise Hollywood Brown, though Hollywood Brown was hurt in that Orange Bowl. But that game, the way it played out, Alabama had it locked up by the end of the first quarter. But what happened at the end of the game, Oklahoma covered Oklahoma lost that game by 11 because Alabama was just, you know, kind of working the clock out, running the ball and Oklahoma started to gain a little bit of more momentum. Um, again, Notre Dame and Notre Dame's offense is not Oklahoma's offense, especially Oklahoma's offense led by Kyler Murray. But I do think that in the same way, kind of like you, what you said, Barton, when this game settles down, I think Notre Dame is mature enough to be able to hang in there, make a few plays, and find a way to, uh, to kick in that back door. It's going to take the, – the one thing that stinks is all season we've talked about how Notre Dame's defense does a great job of forcing field goals. Like, you might be able to move the ball a little bit on them, but they really bow up when you get into scoring position. Alabama got themselves a good kicker. You know, like all those years, we could count on Alabama missing field goals to keep the other team in the game. And they've got a kicker that we had as the CBS sports first team, all American. So that's unfortunate. But if you, if you can force field goal attempts, that's a win for Notre Dame's defense, because it's not the touchdown you might be getting from Devonta Smith or Najee Harris. Also, Alabama doesn't, doesn't kick field goals. They score. They score touchdowns. they they're, they're,
1: they're six in the country in uh, points per scur- scoring opportunity. I just, I'm, I talked about this on my Mistress Pod, but the idea, like the vision of Notre Dame just getting stymied at the goal line a bunch of times and, and, excuse me, at Alabama being stymied at the goal line several times and like settling for a field goal, maybe getting a turnover in the red zone, like I just can't see it. I just, I just can't visualize that happening. They just don't do that. And so that's where, that's the hard part I have about figuring out how Notre Dame can actually win this thing. But I think that'll be enough for them to, Find a way
4: to keep it close. Then the nightcap, we will be... there are two other guys on this pod, right?
3: Well, we got Notre Dame (laughs) Love Fest going on over here. Forget all about us.
0: (laughs) Fight.
4: Go ahead
3: there, Tom. Fight. 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 How much did Notre Dame just lose to Clemson by?
4: Uh, was it five or 24? 24?
3: 24, yeah, 24, 24, Alabama better than Clemson? Yes. Yes. All right. Give me Alabama minus 19 and a half.
4: <laughs> so are you guys aware there have been five, excuse me, four double digit favorites uh, since the college football playoff began in 2014. They've covered all four times uh, the double digit favorites have. Um, what about that Oklahoma game? That was what was the fate? What was the point total? In 14 game? and a half. Oh, geez, I gotta fire whoever does this. Eleven point eleven bless. point Alabama win. You need to restructure your research team. Seriously. You gotta get on them. Well, so there's one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you guys are brave. I would lean towards Tom. I think all you guys are making this too complicated. I'm gonna take the under. I think for and it's kind of buying into what. Um, Chip and Barton were talking about what Notre Dame can do, and also what Alabama will do in the second half once they have the lead. Um, I think this will be a slower pace game, especially in the second half. I do think Notre Dame's defense is getting overlooked, um, and I, I I keep going back to the second half of that North Carolina game, and I know that North Carolina is not Alabama, but they are a similar. Like they're like Alabama light. Um, they're just, they're not quite as NFL talented, but they are extremely talented. I mean,
0: in yards per play, it's, it's like in yards per play, the best offenses in the country were Alabama, Florida, BYU and North Carolina.
4: Right. Um, North Carolina's offensive line, not quite as good as Alabama's, but Landon Dickerson, no one's talking about him being out, which I do think, of course, they're gonna plug in somebody else. They'll mix things around. What'll well, be fine? But I think people are overlooking that. I would lean your guys' way. If I was going to, that is a big point total, but I'm gonna take the under. I think that's the I think that's the safer, better play in this game. And plus, if it does get sideways, if Alabama like blows them out, like I think it could be really ugly. And then it could be like a 30 to three or there's like somewhere where it's not even close, but then it doesn't come anywhere
3: close to the total either.
0: I don't know. Alabama averages like 50, like a real 50, a whole 50 points. <laughs>
3: like, still get the under and themselves. score 50. You can still yeah, get exactly. the under. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, then the nightcap will be in new Orleans Looks like we've moved this off the 8.45 to an 8 o'clock. I mean, of course, it's going to be like 8.20 or whatever, but hey, that's an extra 30 minutes before the playoff reaction pod. So, hey, I'll take whatever you can do to scoop this kickoff up. Uh, Clemson, a a 7.5-point favorite against Ohio State, a rematch of uh, last year's college football playoff semifinal, over under here at 66.5. Anybody in?
3: I'm in. I'm in. You want to go first? I will. Do you want me to? Yeah, go first. I want to see where you're at. Okay. Um, this is
1: I. I this might not be sound reasoning to 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 make a pick against the spread, but all week long, Dabo is straight up like holding <laughs> Ohio State. Yeah. Like he is needling. He is poking. He is, he's just being like, like my five-year-old knows what pisses my, my wife off. And when she wants to piss her off, like she pisses her off. And (laughs) there, there's, there, there's no like denying and debating what's going on there. Dabo Sweeney right now is like, he is piling up bulletin board material. I mean, and, and, and Dabo Sweeney's not an idiot. I think he knows what he's doing. You want to know why I think he's doing this? Because they're going to win by twenty. Because they're going to blow him out. Yeah. <laughs> like he's sitting here watching this tape, and he's like, "This secondary can't cover." He's like, "We're we're going to be running circles around these guys." Now I don't know. Like I, again, maybe that's not what's happening here, but that feels like what's happening here to me. I think that Ohio State has got some some issues on the back end that. Clemson is is excited to try to exploit. I also think that you're see you've, we've seen Justin Fields have a little bit of issues this year with post-snap snap movements, with holding the ball too long, with with you know Blitzing. not getting a clean picture. Brent Venables coming to town like with all kinds of theatrics for him to deal with on defense. I don't know, man. This just feels like Clemson is going to, going to cruise. I mean,
0: I'll go ahead. Uh, Tom shared some very interesting statistics about Justin Fields struggles against the blitz. He's going up against the extremely blitz happy, uh, Brent Venables. And I, I just don't think that. We, we saw Trey Sermon run for three bills in the, against a good Northwestern defense in the Big Ten championship game, but if we take the entire Ohio State body of work, as limited as it may be, um, there's a lot of third and longs that come because they weren't able to get good runs from Master Teague and Trey Sermon on first and second down, and I don't think those third and longs go well uh, for Justin Fields and Ohio State. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm laying Clemson.
3: I did share those numbers with you and Justin Fields has been awful when under pressure and being blitzed this year. But I also shared with you, Trevor Lawrence's numbers when under pressure and being blitzed this year. And while they're better than Justin Fields, they haven't been great. And you mentioned Barton, like Dabo and Clemson are looking at this Ohio state defense and they see that back end. And they're like, Ooh, let's, let's try to take advantage of that. Trevor hasn't been great throwing vertically either. Like, Deep down the field passing really hasn't been there that much for Clemson this year. He's, he's It hasn't been super accurate. So when I look at this matchup, I go back to last year's game and I just go back to that whole kind of principle we've talked about in here many times. Whereas when it comes to these big games, Dabo might be talking big, but he's probably going to get conservative. So I'm looking at the total I'm going under, if we remember last year's game, the final was 29-23, so that's Mm -hmm. 52 points. I can get this year's at 66 and a half. Give me the under 66 and a half because I think that Clemson defensively is going to be a nightmare for Justin Fields. They're going to blitz him nonstop from all over the place, and he has struggled with it. But I also think Ohio State's got a good pass rush, too. And I think that they're going to put Trevor Lawrence under pressure, and he is not as good under pressure as he is when he's not. Of course, you could say that about any quarterback, but I'm talking about when you compare him to the other elite quarterbacks in the country, they have all performed better than both the quarterbacks in this game in those situations. So I think we're going to see some defensive success in this one. Gentlemen, I'm taking the under.
4: Uh, lock agreement on the under. (laughs) By the way, it was reader error, not, uh, not researcher error it did have it listed at the top the alabama oklahoma 2018 spread was the only one where the uh, double digit favorite did not cover i just missed that for some reason so big of
1: you it, to not throw your researcher under the bus like right, that. Exactly. i appreciate the accountability, accountability.
4: but the, the same researcher did give me this little nugget so since the college football playoff began clemson the under has hit in each of their five semifinal games and Ohio state has hit the under in four straight and 11 of their last 14 bowl games dat- uh, dating back to 2004. I think all- both these games, I think the under is the play. I kind of like a little parlay. If you want to take it, take the under in both the uh, semifinal games, I just think the tendency is, you know, usually a little bit kind of the counter punches early are kind of feeling each other out, usually a little bit slow starting. Uh, but I think these defenses are good. I, I would lean your guys way that are on the Clemson side, but I just, I don't know. It's a weird number. I, 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 I hope Dabo's right because he has been talking so much trash, by the way, this is one of the most underrated rivalries in the sport. I think both, both fan bases are, are two of the most obnoxious on Twitter. One loves me personally. One hates me personally. So I feel feel both aspects of it. But either way, they're both over the top. And to see them go at it, I think it's going to be an incredible amount of fun. I would lean Clemson, but I'm going to take the under in this one too.
0: Man, it is a a really storied rivalry. And the next Ohio State win in the series will be its first. Because the Buckeyes (laughs) have never beaten Clemson. Tigers. Yeah, that's Mm. Dabo over Urban Meyer in 2014 in a bowl game, 40-35. Dabo over Urban Meyer, 31-0 in a college football playoff semifinal. Then 29-23, Dabo over Ryan Day. First win was back in 1978, 4-0 all-time series history. So we've Mm. had our uh, college football playoff semifinals. The national championship game will be set, but we return to four games on January 2nd, starting with Kentucky and NC State in the Gator Bowl at noon, this game has Kentucky favored as, uh, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite over under around 50-and-a-half. I don't have a – does anybody have a lock for this game? I do. Okay.
1: What What's the – do we have a, um, an opt-out or an injury report or anything for NC State, Chip? Do we – do you get a – what do you know on their roster situation?
0: Um. Nothing particularly uh, – that nothing that stands out yet. The big talk around that program this week starts with why we weren't going to opt out of a bowl game because, remember, half the ACC almost decided they weren't even going to play in a bowl game. No Pitt, no Virginia, no Virginia Tech, no Boston College. Teams with that had good seasons. No Georgia Tech, didn't have a good season. But that was the the starting part of the conversation was like, no – we won seven conference games. We went eight and three. We're going to finish this year in a bowl game. And I think that that message has mostly uh, filtered out to the rest of this NC state personnel. Um, I believe a McNeil might not be playing the uh, great defensive tackle, but, um, other than that, and I'll look it up real quick, other than that, nothing stands out. Certainly nothing like uh, the North Carolina team that we'll be talking about in a little bit that has no Javante Williams, no Michael Carter, no Diami Brown, no Chaz Surratt.
1: All right, give me NC State plus the points. Better team? Uh, better team. And also Kentucky's without their offensive coordinator. Not that that, I mean, we've seen where you can't overthink these things in the bowl game, so I, that, that's not really like my primary talking point here, but it is a factor, a variable that Kentucky is dealing with. I think both have limited quarterbacks, but NC state's offense. And again, I want to reiterate like Tim Beck has been a, 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 a pleasant surprise offense coordinator. I think he's done a great job with NC state all year long. I just think there's a better football team uh, and they're the underdog. So give me the, give me the pack.
4: I'll take it too. I like it. I was going to, if, if this was a money line, I would take them to win outright as well. Um, Kentucky's just not very good on offense. Um, and I think NC, and they're good on defense, but I think NC State will figure out a way uh, to put up some points on the board. I bet Eddie Grant getting fired was a little bit surprising considering the year he did last year with Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, was. But hey, Mark Stoop wants to go in a different direction. But I think there could be some uh, some instability there in the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going to take NC State too.
0: I think it's a great test for NC State. Again, I don't have a great feel for it. I think it should be a competitive game, and, and I I mean, uh, NC State winning is absolutely an outcome I could see, but, you know, NC State's trying to build its identity as a team that can, you know, puts offensive linemen in the NFL and, like, a, a team that sort of wins at the line of scrimmage and, and has a good rushing attack. And so I think Kentucky's a good matchup there, uh, at least stylistically. They do have better players, and they they had a better season so uh, the line's a little surprising, but I, after a quick little search and, and a review of my notes, I don't see any significant opt-out news. So uh, no, no panic about your pick right there. Tom, do you, are you in on Gator Bowl? No. No. That brings us to just a joyous occasion. The Outback Bowl, Tampa, Florida, Ole Miss, Indiana. p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Indiana favored by eight over under 65 and a half. It goes against a lot of, uh, you know, what I've been doing to try and approach the bowl season. You know, I've been taking a lot of unders. But give me this over. Give me as many fireworks as possible. The skill position talent is off the charts. It's going to be 70 degrees. It's going to feel good in Tampa. This game gets loose. Give me the over in the Outback Bowl.
3: You had all worried about everybody that the Rebels are missing. There's no, no Elijah Moore. There's no Kenny Yeboah. There's no Jerry and Ely. There's no Braylon Sanders. <laughs>
1: Jerry and Ely opted out?
3: Uh, well, he was but hurt. He was injured. He okay. was hurt the last game, so we don't know for sure if he's back, but.
1: Um, the dentist is on Indiana here. He's with, we've had a lot of, like, he had a whole, you know, long explanation. We're not going to give him that airtime because there's been too <laughs> many L's, but he's got a, he, he, he's got a lot of, doing a lot of blame game this year. Blame the dentist lock of the year of the week last, you know, of the, for the, uh, whatever it was last week, the LSU game, um, because of, he didn't know Elijah Moore and Kenny Yeboah were out. And that is, and he said he's hearing more potential opt-outs and old Miss, you know, he's, he fashions himself, somebody that knows people over there. And, uh, and so he is, he's taking Indiana here, lay, laying the points. He got it at six and a half earlier in the week. It's up to seven and a half or eight. He'd take it all the way up to eight. So he's taking Indiana as plus plus he believes in this Indiana team wanting to win because, um, Tom Allen, former old Miss Guy, gonna be motivated, team gonna be motivated, all that kind of stuff.
3: You learn a lot when you're wrist deep in somebody's <laughs> mouth.
4: <laughs> I really want to go with Indiana's a good football team, but this is a weird game. I don't I don't know. I don't trust it. That's what I'm saying. I'm staying away. Yeah. yeah. Weird
0: games, big touchdowns. Hey, hey, listen, you know what? I hope so. Link. Lane Kiffin looks down at his depth chart and all he sees is just WR1, WR2. You know, it doesn't matter <laughs> right. who's in there. These are, I am the master play caller, right? Like I am the one that has the perfect scheme and design. Give me whoever I can go win with them. Over He's under.
4: You get a celebration before the ball hits the receiver. It's going to be in the air. You're going to see it in this ball game for sure. Over under on combined
1: touchdown interceptions for Matt Corral at nine and a half. <laughs> what we take in. They'll over. figure out a way. I mean, oh. Yeah, it's gonna. It, this is gonna be a. This is gonna be a beautiful MacRae game. Yeah, this is gonna be a beautiful box score because you know Indiana is gonna find a way to pick him off and turn him over. Hey, it's but,
0: one of the things they do the best. Yeah, that's right.
3: It's how they score all their points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, New Year Six brings us to a conclusion on January second. We start at four o'clock out in Glendale. With the Fiesta Bowl, Oregon, the Pac-12 champs, going up against Iowa State, the Big 12 runners-up. Iowa State favored by four. Over/under set at fifty-seven and a half. Anyone in on it?
3: I'm not locking anything up, but I lean Oregon. I just it's it's that whole kind of natural. Matt Campbell is a favorite. Matt Campbell is a dog kind of deal. And I just think Oregon's a pretty good team, but I think it's being a little undervalued on the line here. But again, I, I'm not confident enough in anything to lock it up.
0: Uh what's the line here? Just, four, uh, four and a half, something four, like that.
3: Four to five, depending. Yeah.
1: Ah, could, golly, I would have liked that be a little lower. I, I I'm I'm a little bit tempted to take Iowa State, but nah, I'm not gonna play that.
0: I lean ducks too, and that's uh that's that's just imagining that Mario Cristobal can like, like this Oregon team can trick themselves into feeling really good. You win the PAC 12 title, you beat a top 10 team in the bowl game. I thought they showed up. I thought they answered the call against USC played well in that game. Maybe they can, uh, maybe they can do it against Iowa state as well. An Iowa state team that, you know, a little bit disappointed not to get that big 12 title, but, uh, not a lock. It's so kind of like what you said earlier, Tom. It might be a game that I'm revisiting, depending on how December 31st and January 1st have gone. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I'm probably revisiting it, good or bad. And the uh, the nightcap from Miami Gardens, Hard Rock Stadium. We're at the Orange Bowl. Texas A&M favored by 7.5 against North Carolina. Over under at 65.5. Feels like the line hasn't really moved, even as North Carolina skill players keep opting out. Again, I'll say one more time, both of your star running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, Deami Brown, your best wide receiver, and Chaz Surratt, your best linebacker. I don't know, man.
3: Let me let me put this in, in different terms. Like you say, I like the leading rushers, leading receivers. Okay, that has an impact, but let me put it this way. North Carolina's offense will be missing 4,056 yards of offense and 41 touchdowns from this season. Yes, Sam Howell is still there, but that is a lot to replace and you're going up against a Texas A&M team that has been solid offensively all year and is solid defensively. So man, give me the Aggies, lay the seven and a half points, lock it up. North Carolina does not have a chance. Whew.
0: Anyone want in? Anyone went in on that?
3: Yeah, I would like to hear the children sing and dance.
1: <laughs> uh so Clark Lee takes the Vanderbilt head job. Um, but let's not forget who his Mike mentor Elko. was, right? <laughs> yeah. Mike Elko. Now I don't know. Like maybe that helps because North Carolina has seen this defense before with Notre Dame, but this defense kind of shut them down. So Mike Coco's got a little bit of a blueprint. I think that this um, North Carolina offense is just going to, it just is what it is. Like, I don't know there's a lot of adjustments are going to be made and now they got a lot more uh, missing pieces here as y'all pointed out. And so I think let's, let's let's not also forget that Notre Dame is, is Texas A&M and Texas A&M is Notre Dame. And so we've seen this before. We've seen this matchup. It's just a rematch. So Give me the same team that beat North Carolina earlier in the year, Notre Dame and College Station. Give me uh, give me the Aggies.
0: Did y'all see uh, some of Mac Brown's comments about the opt-outs? He's been uh, pretty hilarious. Because one thing I love about Mac Brown and his return is that he is just brutally honest, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. you know, talking about how they you know, really missed an opportunity, how they were overrated early in the year, and they really got exposed for not being the number five team in the country. And he was like, well, he said it's – it's going to help us in the long term. Will it help us on Saturday? Eh. <laughs> like he, he, he let out a full like, eh. Like he's out here saying we're going to win the – he's already preparing North Carolina fans. It's like, no, no, this is about the message that we're sending to recruits and the fact that these young guys, the guys that are going to be back, are going to get this great bowl experience going up against a top five SEC team. He's He's already preparing for – we are going to lose this battle, but you just wait. We're going to go and win the war. <laughs> All right. To review, Bull Locks Volume 2. Tom. Are we doing sprinkles? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think we
1: did. I think we didn't last week. I, sort did. of like, I
4: threw the one in
3: late last week. These are just, week. yeah,
1: just sort of like uh, a la carte, like sprinkle if you want twos. So mm-hmm. what, what do you got for the sprinkle if you want twos?
3: All right, I'll just go quickly. I've got Arkansas plus one seventy, cha-ching, and Ohio State plus two fifty, just in case. Mm. I'll
4: take NC State, whatever it is.
3: NC State, I can get you plus one seventeen.
0: I like NC State money line. That might that one just might be for uh, the boys. Oh, the all, all, my, all my NC State friends out there, just 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 to hop along for the ride and. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and root for a pack victory. All right. To review Tom, Tom is on Florida plus three and a half West Virginia minus seven Northwestern minus three Georgia minus seven Alabama minus 19 and a half the under in Clemson, Notre Dame, the under in Northwestern Auburn, Texas A&M minus seven and a half and Arkansas plus four and a half. Barton is on the over 69.5 in Oklahoma, Florida, the under 46.5 in Mississippi State, Tulsa, Northwestern minus three, Notre Dame plus 20, Clemson minus seven and a half, NC State plus two and a half, and Texas A&M minus seven and a half. Chip is on Wisconsin minus seven and a half, the under 46.5 in Mississippi State, Tulsa, Ball State plus 10, Cincinnati plus seven and a half, Notre Dame plus 20, Clemson minus seven and a half, the under 43 and a half in Northwestern Auburn and the over 65 and a half in Indiana Ole Miss. Danny with Oklahoma minus three, West Virginia minus seven, the over 41 in West Virginia Army, a DK two for one special, Georgia minus seven against Cincinnati, the under 66 in Bama Notre Dame, the under 66 and a half with Clemson and Ohio state and then NC state plus two and a half. The lock fights. Let's see. We've got a Tom and Danny in Oklahoma, Florida, and then we've got a chip and wait, chip and Tom, right? Yeah. yeah chip, you would, chip and Tom and Dan chip against Tom and Danny while Barton just sits no, by. I, my,
3: <laughs> yeah. I got a lock fight with Danny on Oklahoma, Florida you and I have lock fights on Cincinnati, and then I've got a lock fight with you in Barton for Notre Dame, Alabama.
0: You know, I saw, I saw a lot of blue there's on here. A lot here. of blue and red on yeah, this board. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad that uh, there there's some some good battles in there. Everyone's got some stakes.
3: Uh, all right, it's it it's always strange when I have to get into the different shades of blue on the dock <laughs> to differentiate oh. the lock unit lock agreements between everybody.
0: You can subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast anywhere where you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can get us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 for that multi-platform excellence. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
3: Sure. Thank you.